0: One of my favorite parts this time of year is the Christmas lights. I just love seeing the lights along the roof lines of the houses and and going out on the branches of the trees. I enjoy seeing the, the bushes covered in lights, and then when people take creativity and put lights on some of their yard art that are out there, just about every Christmas, Steve and I will take an evening to drive around and look at Christmas lights. They just fill me with goodness. I just feel good. It's full of joy and hope. This week, my dad went with the old folks. Now, that's his term that he uses for the senior adults at his church. They're the old folks. They went out to look at Christmas lights this week. He said they had three busloads of people that went out to look at lights. They went to dinner first. He tells me he had a hot dog and a beer. And then he tells me all the different neighborhoods, they went around for two hours, the different subdivisions and different suburbs that they went around. I don't remember where all of those were, but Dad had a delightful time. And it reminded me of many years ago, I did a drive through of Highland Park one time to look at the Christmas lights there in Highland Park. And I called my dad to tell him all about it, tell him Mom and Dad about it. And I said, Dad, there was one tree that had too many lights on it. And he said, Oh, honey, you can never have enough Christmas lights. We have lights of all sorts in our lives. We need light to read a menu in a restaurant. We need a light to see the recipes. We're in the kitchen. We need, we need light to see each other in the night. We need, we need light around us. Light is something that, that we need. We've got candles. We've got the tree. We've got the sun coming in. We need Light. Light breaks into the darkness and it reveals what is there and it brings warmth and it brings guidance and we can see our way, we can see where we're going to walk. The light comes into the darkness. In the scripture that Linda just read, she talks about the servant, a light to the nations that brings light to the blind, to the prisoner and to the one sitting in darkness. And there's one translation that says those who dwell in darkness. Can you imagine living in total darkness? Where you, you can't even tell the surroundings around you. You can't, you can't see where you're going. You can't find your way. And everything is just dark. Well, there are people who are not physically blind who dwell In darkness because there are different types of darkness many years ago Steve and I were at my brother's house for Christmas and Steve and my parents got drafted by my brother and his wife to help lay down new floors in the living room I got out of it because I was babysitting the three kids and I remember it was Sadie's first Christmas and I was with her in the master bedroom hiding out from all of the construction in the living room when she crawled for the first time. That's why I can remember this. Cameron was three and Morgan was five. And I tried to, to distract them and keep the boys occupied. I said, okay, what book do you want to read? And they picked a veggie Tales book. Does everybody know who the Veggie Tales are? No, I see some heads shaking. Okay, so the veggie tales, the main characters are vegetables. It's Bob the tomato and Larry the cucumber. And all of the characters in their books and in in their stories are all vegetables. you got asparagus and broccoli and an eggplant, celery and carrots and everybody. And in the Christmas book that the boys chose, one vegetable is trying to teach a younger vegetable about Christmas. And they go to an ice carving festival where all blocks of ice have been carved up. And they're all supposed to carve them into images of Christmas. And so we've got a bunch of wrapped presents done in ice. And we've got a sleigh ride where the sleigh is is done in ice. And one had a glitzy shopping mall, very glitzy, very big. And then there was one very, very small of a family cuddled around a baby laying in a manger and I asked my young nephews I said which do you think is the meaning of Christmas three-year-old Cameron said the shopping mall five-year-old Morgan said it's the baby Jesus so then we had to have a conversation about why Morgan was right in his answer even in Christian families some children still don't get The idea of Christmas. Think about it. We've got all sorts of distractions this time of year. We've got shopping, baking, cooking, trimming of trees, cutting down trees, wrapping things. We're just constantly busy. And sometimes we miss what it is we're actually celebrating. All of us have neighbors and loved ones who don't know Jesus. Who don't know why Jesus is being celebrated we all have neighbors and loved ones who do not know that God loves them we all have friends and neighbors who don't know that Jesus is relevant and why Jesus is a part of our lives we all have loved ones and neighbors and friends and family who are in darkness in this season of Christmas in our scripture this morning we have Isaiah talking about a servant who is a light to the nations in the Gospel of Matthew the writer of Matthew says in this passage this passage is talking about Jesus that Jesus is the light of the nations and Matthew proclaims that Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy well then Why is Jesus a light to the nations? What is it about Jesus that makes Jesus a light to the nations? According to this passage in Isaiah, the servant is about justice. The word justice is mentioned three times. That the servant, the light to the nations, brings justice and establishes justice. And so I thought, how does Jesus bring justice? What type of justice? does Jesus bring? Jesus talks to a woman who's from Samaria. He touches children. He has relation, friendly relationships with women. He has conversations with women. He talks to people who have leprosy. He talks to people who have birth defects. And all of these are people that men in good standing wouldn't have talked to in that time. Jesus saves the life of a woman who is caught in adultery when the men in good standing are standing around with stones ready to hurl them at her. Jesus heals the lame, the sick, those who good men in standing in society would not have touched. Jesus feeds the hungry. Jesus' brand of justice is to reach out and be with those whom society tells us are not worth our time. Those whom society tells us, nope, Forget about those. Those are the people Jesus was with. That's the justice part. But I think there's another part of this aspect of light to the nations. Jonathan, you asked me yesterday if we have a stained glass window here at this church. Have you seen this one back here? Have you seen that one right there? This is called the Christ window. And this window was placed here for a couple of reasons, and they were very specific. If we had the window up here, then only people sitting inside could see Jesus, right? But if we put him over here and we have a light on him at night, you can see him at night and he kind of shines out into the neighborhood at night. People passing by can see Jesus there. And his hands are kind of in a welcoming, you know, come see me, inviting stance. And this church made a conscious effort to put a bench right at the bottom of the window, and every 7 Loves East Saturday, there is somebody sitting on that bench. And I and I wonder does that person know that they're sitting at the feet of Jesus? Do they know that Jesus is right there extending his hands and saying, hey, come come, sit a while. Let's hang out together. Let's just be together. We set up that prayer garden, not for us, but for the people in the community so they would have a place to come and just know this is a place to sit a while, to rest. It is Jesus reaching out in relationship. It's building relationship with those who need to know that somebody cares. If that sounds familiar to you, it should because it is the vision of this church to build relationships. So when we're talking about Jesus as the light to the nations, there's the justice aspect, but there's also the relationship aspect. When this passage in Isaiah was written, it was written hundreds of years before the Gospel of Matthew was written, hundreds of years before Jesus came. So what did the early audience think the light of the nations was? Did they think that they were thinking forward to the Messiah? They may have been, but there's actually another way to read this scripture. Early Israel took light of the nations as talking about them. That this passage saying the light of the nations, my servant, the light of the nations that's going to bring justice was talking about the nation of Israel herself. But at this time they were in exile. They weren't all together. They were all spread out. So this passage is talking about Jews everywhere. That the Jews are the light to the nations because their purpose was not to be an island amongst themselves and to only be the Jews and nobody else matters and we're just going to stay right here. We're not going to talk to you. You're, you're different. No, no, no. I'm going to be right here. No, God is saying you are the light to the nations because you are going to light the path that leads to the Lord who is the creator of heavens and the earth. Israel had a job to do. They had a job to be the light to the nations to say, here we go, this is the Lord. Come, get to know the Lord. That caused me to think, how are we a light to the nations? how are we a light in this community what is it our job to be is revealing that path and saying here here's the way to the lord here's the way to jesus how are we that there's a commercial on television right now and quite honestly i don't know exactly what it's advertising but it may be one of those public service announcements saying you know do good and pass it on type of things But in the commercial, there's these children playing basketball. They're playing a basketball game. It looks like they're in somebody's driveway or the patio next to a house. And then one of the boys notices a new kid's moved into the neighborhood. But there's a ramp that's been constructed up to the house, and the young boy is in a wheelchair. What seems like a couple of days later, the boy in the wheelchair looks out through the screen door, and he sees a basketball sitting on his front porch. And then we see him with the basketball going down, and he finds the other kids. One of the boys is playing basketball, sitting in a chair, like a desk chair with wheels. And then we see one child who is sitting on one of those commercial mop buckets that's got wheels on it, and he's rolling around on this mop bucket. And there's, there's a kid that's taken a, a plastic milk crate and has attached wheels to it. He's sitting on that, and he's rolling around, and they're playing basketball while all sitting on something with wheels not all justice is about fixing someone else and their needs so they can be like us sometimes justice is watching listening and experiencing someone else's need we can ask we can assume what someone else needs and we might get it wrong and very often we do. This young boy did not need these new friends to fix his legs so that he could walk again. What he needed was some kids his own age to accept him exactly as he is and to experience life with him through his eyes, to experience that need. That is a form of justice. When we are able to say, you know what? I can see that you have any, but I may not know exactly what it is. Help me learn from you. Let me learn. Let's be in conversation. Let's be in relationship with each other. We are the light to the nations and the light to this community when we practice justice. We are a light to the nations and a light to this community when we build relationships with those who need to know that somebody cares. I have been fired from every job that I've tried to do at Seven Loaves East, the food pantry. I tried to run the copier one time. I made it through one copy before somebody asked me a question and I got pulled off and I got fired. A few months ago, I tried to assist the shoppers where we actually carry the bags for the clients to put the things into the bags. Apparently, I didn't do that right, and I got fired from that job, too. My job at Seven Loaves East is to be. It's to be. What started out as my trying to play hostess to the guests coming into this church and saying, Who needs a cup of coffee? Can I get you a donut? your kid need a bottle of juice what what can i do for you has turned into my actually being pastor in the presence i sit and visit with our guests that come they tell me what's going on in their lives they ask me to pray for somebody in their lives they tell me when somebody's in the hospital they tell me when they're having financial difficulties i've had private conversations about marital strife about homelessness and living conditions i've had lots of conversations And then I'll sit here and pray with somebody. It happened yesterday. I was praying with somebody here in the pews. They will ask me to pray with them. And then the following month, I'll follow up with them. I remember so-and-so's in the hospital. How are they doing? Did you get your rent paid? Did the water get turned off? Where are we now? What's going on with these things? And that is my job. There was one month a few months ago I knew Steve and I were going to be out and the other volunteers were sort of sitting around and I was saying, "Okay, I'm going to be out for a month." And one man joking, jokingly said, "I'll do Katie's job. She doesn't actually do anything." <laughs> he was joking. So that's that's my job is to be present. And I know that it's making a difference and I know that it's building relationships because one of our guests when her mother died unexpectedly and the sheriff was at her house, He said, who can I call for you? And he said, the pastor at the Methodist Church. All of the volunteers at 7 Loves East are about building relationships, but I am blessed to have some very confidential and open conversations with people. That is how this church is a light to the nations and a light into this community, bringing about justice in more ways than just food, mind you, and building relationships with those who need to know that somebody cares. And in that midst, it it can be scary to come to a church to ask for help. It can be scary to come here and ask for food. But I'm starting to see it as a blessing because now these guests are coming here and they're receiving more than food. They're receiving the love of Jesus Christ from each of us who volunteer and see them on a monthly basis. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we lit the candle for joy. We've had peace and hope in the prior weeks, and we've got joy this week. If you want to know why the candle's pink, ask me afterwards, and I'll let you know. We're celebrating joy. The joy of the Advent candle is wrapped around Mary. It's wrapped around Mary saying, yes, yes, I will be a part of what you're asking me to do, and Mary takes great joy in that. We remember with joy that God gave us Jesus. We remember with joy that we have a life with Jesus. We rejoice. We rejoice. God asks us to repeat Mary's yes when we spread the good news of Jesus Christ, when we are a light to the nations, when we act in justice. God asks us to repeat Mary's yes when we are a light to the nations and a light to the community when we are in relationship with those who need to know that anybody cares. That yes, Jesus cares. We are a light to the nations. We are a light to the community. And our light is God's love and God's grace. Our light is the good news of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.